Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. When I say meet me in the big Oracle office, I come out of my office, she comes downstairs and we meet here. So, Dude, well, we just had one of your clients on the show. Uh, Danny Filth. Indeed. Yeah, man. Gentleman. Absolute gentleman, man. Yeah, he's a beautiful dude. I think the last time I saw you was on your tour bus. Would this have been the tour, Ministry and Devil Driver in the UK? Around yes. 2017, 16. Oh, that's a fucking lineup. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And yeah. Before, How you doing, brother? Good to see you. It's good to see you well, again, man. And, and Yeah, and, yeah, that was, that was a great tour. That was a fantastic tour, man. And I appreciate those guys. I've been friends with Al for a long time. Uh, I introduced him to his current manager, current accountant. Yeah, you, I mean, I you pulled him I, out of the I, hole, basically. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think ministry has ever been in a hole. So well, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so much so that he signed a, a massive video game that's behind me, uh, Pac-Man and all that, you know, big old school arcade game signed it to me. And the family with a big ministry logo on it had his assistant send it home with me that night. So I wow. Yeah, amazing. And what I was about- there to help. I was always behind in, in the business side, even before I became a manager. Well, what about you two? Have you two spent much time together out there in the, the world of, of we rock? Brushed, we brushed elbows briefly. Um, it was actually, you had taken 36 crazy fists out, um, I think, in this yeah. moment, too. It was a crazy lineup. House of Blues in, in New York. We met briefly, and you were so nice. You busted out like these really good red back when you were drinking red wine bottles i get a case of them it was me and my little sister and my ex-wife at the time and you treated us like gold it was kind of a came and went like it was a blur because it was just a lot of fun but (laughs) yeah you were a gracious host that's the one time i remember meeting you my my pleasure i'm italian so yeah i haven't had a drink of alcohol since uh 2016 but i love red wine i mean i still i miss it you know i always what i always say is on my anniversary day of getting sober i'll have a drink and then it always passes. But that's how I that's how I leave myself out. <laughs> there you go. Good on you though, man. I I think that's a that's a great move. Sometimes you just have to do it. You just have to do it. I get it. In this business, I mean, you start realizing, okay, 280 shows a year times how many drinks a day times, you know, almost 30 years in the business. It's I learned how to drink from Pantera and I learned how to drink from touring with Sabbath and them and uh and uh, I I I just had enough and I feel amazing. I I've gotten I would say more than three fourths of my roster sober uh since working with me and cats that that needed it you know what i mean and it's good to, it's good to see the life change comes immediately so it doesn't matter if you're in music or not and um if you have a drinking problem stop it's going to ruin everything at home it's going to ruin your life it's going to ruin your yeah. body it's going to ruin your soul 
So yeah, some people can do the moderation thing, which I'm I'm still figuring that one out. I think I've done well with it, but I'll go a month, two weeks, three weeks without a drink. And I was yeah. saying this earlier to Matt, a couple of, a couple of days into that, you start to really feel on your own, like in your own head, connected to your skin. You sleep better, you feel better, you you lose the puffiness. So the, the days of me drinking every day are, are, are gone. They'll never return to that again. It's just yeah, I'm good sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know? Yeah, good for you. Good for you. Just something, too, uh, on a man over the age of 30, just, you know, holding a bottle of whiskey backstage. It just doesn't look good on you, you know? And uh, and I've got business, too. I'm a businessman. I got to I gotta watch. You got to – it loosens up your tongue. And being Italian, I want to always – Yeah. I'm going to watch what I say and it loosens up your tongue. And then, you know, the next morning you get those things, you know, it's like, wait, I said, what? The bear fear. I you must that. have meant it. You were buzzed. You must have meant it. It's like, no, fuck. No, I did not mean that. You know? Yeah. So, I get that. I, that's, that's a, I, I hate to say it happened to me fairly recently is when I said, I'm still toying with the, how do you do the moderation thing? I think the big thing for me is no shots. I cannot do shots. Shots are fucking evil don't do them <laughs> yeah 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 and i there's another rule that i had with it with a guy that was starting to try to do this too i said just do me a favor just don't drink around people and if you don't <laughs> drink around people then you're at home you're at home and yeah. you're drinking and you realize you got a problem yeah right? yeah it. totally so, yeah i hope that i hope that that works out for you you know trying to figure it out i i couldn't i'd be up in on my fourth bottle of sangiovese in the back lounge listening to jerry vale and fucking the godfather soundtrack and four in the morning waking the bus up and it was like just what what am i there's no reason yeah, yeah. it's kind of a bad look too when you're when you're you know it it goes from like when you're young it's kind of fun and dangerous and rock and roll to almost just sad, sad really like you know? everything when you're young everything when you're young jesse is fun and dangerous with rock yeah. and roll yeah, yeah. exactly yeah that's that's not us anymore though i'm, well, I'm thank not... you very much for having me i appreciate <laughs> yeah. it man you know I appreciate it. No, it's cool to have you on, man. We we started this show during the pandemic uh, mm. as, as kind of a way to, I guess, help other people feel less alone in that weird time of like uncertainty, unrest, division, and through yeah. all the amazing conversations that we've had, we've you know re really reinforced the the original idea behind the show, which was just that we all have so much in common as human beings through our stories, our struggles, our triumphs. And um, if it's okay with you, Des, we don't really do small talk on the show. And I'm aware that the last few years for your family have been intense. Um, and you've been through a lot. Both you and your partner have had quite severe health issues, which have obviously thrown everything, life and death and love and the whole spectrum of human experience into the foreground. Um, I wonder if you wouldn't mind shedding some light on what you've been through um, and what you've learned along the way, I guess, starting with Anastasia, she got sick before COVID, right? Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> nowhere to start. This will play into the podcast of uh, keeping your mental state, right. And trying to be positive and find a, you know, personal reasons to live. But um, Anastasia and I've been together since late 98. Um, she was uh uh, she is on the second cover of Cold Chamber Record Chamber Music. Became my best friend immediately. I'm not a guy who has guys night out and uh, has my best friend over on Wednesday nights and all this stuff. She's my best friend, end of story, since we met, um, actually, and raised children together. And uh, in 2019, we were having coffee in the morning. 
kind of when I'm at home, I'm an early riser and the phone rang pretty early. I mean, I would say it's like eight, eight fifteen, which was like, unless it's business, right. It was our personal, our home phone. And uh, the only people that have that are like mom, dad, you know, brothers, sisters, hospitals. Right. And she'd went in for some tests. Uh, we were at the beach one day and I saw a couple things on her and I said, what, what, it, what, what is this? You know, these moles or whatever. She went and got tested uh, and they told her, yeah, we need, we need to come in and do some tests. So she, they called and uh, I'll never forget, you know, the look on her face. Cause she's the one that took it. And they said, listen, you got cancer and we've got to do multiple surgeries and we've got to take lymph nodes and we've got to like, we've got to get in here. This, this doesn't look good for you. Um, people that don't know, uh, breast cancer does not, it kills people, but not like a melanoma. So a melanoma is absolutely one of the scariest things on the planet. And so even me born and raised on a surfboard, I was surfing at age six, raised uh, by the beach. Uh, you know, sunscreen is all over me. I get olive skin because I've got Sicilian in me. So, but she's red hair. So red hair, white skin, freckles, that's the demographic. If you're listening to me that you have, you got to really watch yourself. And we just said, um, okay, we're going to hit this as a family. I took down all my touring. Uh, I postponed recording. It was me and the kids uh, and the family to, to root her on, took her in to get uh, her multiple surgeries. Uh, she sat down here actually in this room. Uh, we've got a bar out of the Mayan theater from LA from the 1970s. And she sat down here after surgeries, listening to Donner Summer and having cocktails and saying, I'm gonna, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna get through this. I'm gonna get through this. Cause we were waiting on further results that might've been results that came in that said, well, life is gonna be short now, right? Which thank God that didn't happen. Um, we got past that as a family and then everybody else in the world went through what we went through uh, when they shut down the world for a pandemic. Uh, looking on the LA freeways uh, on the news with not one car was a, a movie in itself. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm staying away from people. I saw it coming way before a lot of people. I was watching, I had friends in China. I was actually watching the news a lot more than most people. I remember calling my parents who live about 10 minutes from me on five acres uh, and my dad who was actually alive at the time, my stepdad who was alive at the time. You know, they both said, I don't know what you're smoking. You're crazy. This is not going to come here. It's not going to shut down America. Like go back to your conspiracy theories. And uh, I said, well, I'm doing all I can. I, I, you know, made sure my family was armed, made sure we had a year's worth of food, made sure that the, the, you know, the kitchen was full, didn't have anybody in the house, uh, got groceries delivered, left them outside in the sun for an hour before we got them. I was very cautious. So about two years in, when it looked like maybe people were going out, some reopening was happening in my area. I went to the gym. Okay, cool. I can't wait to start working out again. My mental state, I need to work out. I'm like any man over 40. If you don't work out, you're going to go crazy. So uh, the guy said, hey, good to see you. Gave me a hug, actually. Walks, let, let me walk you around. We moved some stuff. The place got bigger. Uh, came home. And uh, 48 hours later, my wife found me downstairs uh, right behind me on the floor at 3.30 in the morning. And just my boxers passed out with 104-degree fever. And um, it was got scarier from there. So from there, woke me up. Uh, what's going on? Okay. Took your temperature 104. That's insane. You probably have COVID. We've got to get you into the emergency room. I was like, no hospitals. I'm dying here with my family. There's no way I'm going on a ventilator and seeing what I've been seeing for the last two years. I'd rather go here and there. We made an agreement, her and I, she actually laid hands on me. 
said a prayer to the universe. Uh, we're not organized religion, but we believe like, you know, if you put it out there, uh, if you put vibrations out there, they come to you. So, and, uh, you know, to cu cut to me being driven uh, down to about an hour away, down to a makeshift hospital, guys in hazmat suits. I'll never forget his name. Uh, the guy was named Joseph. Uh, he's from Haiti and came out in Haitian accent in hazmat suit. And he's like, take this one first. And I went, this is uh, fucking real. This is real. It's actually hard to, it's hard to discuss. And, um, and they took me in and uh, they lifted my shirt up and uh, I was like, what's that? And it was a big needle. And they were like, we're going to put four of these in your stomach right now. They're antibiotics. I said, I don't want your shot. I don't want the shot right now. Right. I'm already, I'm delusional. I'm feverish. No, no, this is not, this is, this is antibodies that have been developed. Okay, cool. They gave me that. Uh, and from there, it was a very slow process. I lived downstairs in my living room for about nine months. And uh, I couldn't navigate. I couldn't go up my stairs. I couldn't walk across my street to get my mail. I had no breath in me whatsoever. Uh, my heart was hitting 120, 130, 140, back down to 60. I was living on an oximeter. If you don't know what that is, your fingers in this. It tells you your heart rate, uh, your BPMs, my oxygen level were dropping extremely low, all of a sudden coming up extremely low again. It was extremely scary. EMTs came to my house at least twice. Thank God I live in a small neighborhood. They all know me. And uh, when I said, no, I'm not going, I'm not going with you, do what you can, but I'm not going with you. They, they were cool with it. Cause a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, you're delusional. You got 103 degree fever, you know, you come with us. But I was like, I'm not, I'm not, you're gonna have to fight me right now. And you don't want to do that right now. So uh, it took me about a year, but took me about 16 months, 15, 16 months to where I could get on a, uh, I could walk five houses up and five houses back. So that's 10 houses. That was a lot for me. And I just worked my way back. I just kept a, a, a positive mental state. My wife just said, what's going to get you through this? And I said, same thing to her when she had cancer. What's going to get you through this? Well, I want to go to the beach one more time. I want to make dinner for the kids one more time. Make love to you one more time. I want to hang out one more time, right? And so for me, it was like, of course, all those things for my family. But I was like, I want to make more music. I want to travel one more time. I want to hear a tour bus one more time. I want to get on stage one more time. I got so much to fucking do. And she's like, look, you've, you've done a lot. I said, it doesn't matter. I, I feel like I've got scars to leave and they're not, they're not left yet. So just a whole lot of, a uh, whole lot of, I fasted. I fasted my ass off. I just fasted. I juiced. I couldn't eat anything. If I had a uh, meat, um, it would make my heart go insane. I was seeing one of the premier heart doctors out here and he's like, look, uh, so, so anyways, about three months later, I go into this, uh, my doctor and he's like, look, I'm, I'm on a treadmill that's up. I've got machines on me. I'm running. I'm used to running nine miles a day. I'm a guy who skateboards till 12 o'clock at night with my kids. I live like I'm 25 years old. And here I'm, I can't make two minutes on a treadmill. The guy gets me off. He shows me the test because they shoot nuclear dye in you. They run you through a machine kind of dit, 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 that goes around you. He comes in. He's like, look, you know, you got some serious, we've got to put you in tomorrow for heart surgery. And it was at that point, I also said, no. That's not, that's also not fucking happening. So he's like, well, I don't know what to say to you. And I said, well, look, I found this mix uh, on YouTube, oddly enough, from India. Uh, I, uh, Vedic culture uh, swears by this. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to drink this mix every day and I'll see you in three weeks. 
his words were, you know, if you're alive in three weeks, we'll see you in three weeks, but I want you in here tomorrow. You're going to need some stints in your heart. Anyways, I found this drink that was uh, garlic, turmeric, ginger, lemons, uh, apple cider vinegar, uh, cinnamon. You make it all, you crush it all, you boil it down, you drink it on a about a six ounce jar every morning on an empty stomach. You don't eat anything else for about an hour. You allow it to clean out your heart. It's a heart flush. So two months in, when I started to feel absolutely better, I was like, hey, I might be able to like take a long walk here or there. Uh, I went in and he did a second test, shot nuclear dye in me, had me run, got me on the machine. And he came out. It was the first fucking smile I seen on this guy's face in like a year. And he's like, I don't know what you did. Uh, you only have a little bit of inflammation in your lower heart. Everything is, is clear. You don't look like you need any stents or any surgery. Tears came. I'm on Zoom with the guy. Tears came weeping. He started laughing, you know, because he's seeing what emotion he's evoked in me. And uh, it was at that point I looked at him and I realized because I wasn't dealing with nationalities. I was like dealing with doctor patient. And I realized, bro, you're from India. He's like, yeah, I am. And I said, well, this is what I did. I told him what I did. And he's like, oh, my sister and my grandmother drink that every day in India. And I'm like, and you couldn't fucking tell me? <laughs> like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, I would have lost my license. Like, he's kind of in hushed tones on Zoom. No, I would have lost my license. And um, so I started immediately. Anybody that had COVID had long haulers. I was getting on uh, all sorts of sites, not by my name. And telling people like, you got this, do this, do this, do this. And man, I've walked probably about a hundred people through this that have come out of it by drinking that mix. And um, now I'm at a point where I can run six, seven, eight miles on a treadmill in a sauna suit, singing the set and, and I'm good to go. They, he still doesn't want me to fly. I just had to take down Bloodstock with the fucking I saw, word. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, because I love the UK. It gave me my fucking life if you can make it in la new york and the uk you're good to go and then b obviously i love uh vicky and al right so i had to take that down because they don't want me to do any long flights that being said i just flew to vegas to do sick new world i was scared i was actually scared as hell to get on the plane but it was about a 25 30 minute flight and uh, i was i was fine um i'm getting ready to make a flight next week a short one to denver it's about an hour and 20 minutes to see ginger another band that i manage i got them the disturbed tour well i got the agent and i so that's a little longer flight, right? And now I'm starting to talk about like, can I go to Australia? Like, can I go to the UK next year? And part of me, I told Mike, my guitar player, and I'll end it here is I said, you know, I'm not living in fear anymore. I'm not going to do this. Uh, my time will come when my time comes. I'm going to start booking and I'm going to start flying because like a ship is not meant to be on land and I'm not meant to be home. Uh, God bless my family and put up with me gone for, you know, 28 years, but I, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. So, so yeah, no small talk. There it is. I love, I, there's so much I want to say. Uh, first of all, I respect everything I just heard. Um, respect to you and your wife and your family. Thank and you. I, um, admire and can relate to the wisdom that you dropped about health, diet, heart, uh, your Vedic medicine. I'm actually drinking a cup of, uh, turmeric ginger, uh, wild honey, um, which is not part of that drink you've mentioned, but yeah. I, I, every single day before I do anything, I have this, um, Ayurvedic drink and I, I do fasting. I don't eat till about one o'clock. And then when I do, it's, you know, I'm primarily plant-based. I do have fish occasionally, but those little things 
changed everything for me. And I actually had heart problems when I was younger as well. Okay. Diet, diet and lifestyle are huge and to eat your medicine and to know that you weren't going to go into those Western medicine places. I back all of that. I don't talk about it much on social media, but yeah. that stuff you just ran down, I couldn't feel more um, Thank you. excited, but also just like, it's cool to know somebody else thinks that way and, and has you. that ancient wisdom really is what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I appreciate that. I mean, it, for me, it was like, well, you know, once we do this, you know, then you're going to be on medicines your whole life. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, this is clearly what's wrong with Western medicine. And so people don't realize, I mean, you're drinking turmeric right now. Turmeric is the, the best thing for inflation. My knees hurt, my whatever hurts, my neck hurts. I mean, you could be 20 and have that stuff going on. I know pro surfers that are 22 that, you know, can barely move in the morning. It's like, and they start eating turmeric on a normal, regular level, and they start watching the inflammation come down. People don't realize that sodium, uh, not sea salt, but sodium and sugar, uh, they, they, present a horrible problem. And then I was vegan for a long time. I want to say since 2011 or 12, something like that. And oddly enough, when I told him, he said, tell me about your lifestyle. I was like, well, I'm vegan and I've been having heart problems. He goes, listen, I want you to start eating red meat. And I said, man, there's, I've got so many animals and stuff here. I got dogs and cats. And I was like, I'm not going to eat an animal. It's just not what I'm going to do. And he goes, well, then, you know, feel free to not take my, you know, I'm, I'm only a doctor and I only went to, you know, 15 years of medicine, medical school. And I actually went out and got grass fed beef and I ate my first steak and it didn't taste great to me. And I was just putting it in my body, to be honest with you, because I was trying anything at this point. And about three days later, that's when I realized I could get up my stairs and back. So I was like, huh, mm. what is this? what's going on? Is this because I had red meat? And I waited it out. I waited about another three weeks. I waited it out. And I kind of felt low. I kind of felt no energy. And I ate again meat. And the same thing happened where I felt like I could move my legs and my everything was working. Since then, uh, this is, this is, you know, all of last year, I've gone back, you know, purely vegan now. But to get me out of that and to build my heart muscle, which I was very surprised that he said red meat, but he just said once a month, and, uh, and that was it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Sadhguru says, if you want to eat non-vegan, so you're actually right, Jesse, eat the farthest thing away from you, which is a fish. Because mm. you're not going to swim 20,000 leagues down, right? So, so that's what he says, you know? And then watch, obviously, watch crustaceans because they're bottom feeders and that's taking in all sorts of poisons. So, yeah, you know. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I saw when I, when I first really got healthy and got into yoga, I real I was being clowned like on sites and stuff, you know, like, oh, he's metal and he does yoga and he's this and that. And now it's like, look at all the singers coming forward. I mean, doing yoga. And I mean, I, I love that, you know, it's like Western, Western ways have fallen way away from where we were as the ancients. And you go back into Babylonian culture, Sumerian culture, Go back as far as you can and they are doing moves and they are doing yoga or forms of yoga right so there's something about aligning your meridians and you know and also taking yourself out of the world for a minute going yeah okay i got 40 problems i mean i manage a lot of bands i got four companies i run my head is always going i got add adhd i sleep five hours a night it drove my mom nuts when i was a kid i've done podcasts on this before and so how to deal with that to deal with that to put yourself in a meditative space talk to the cosmos get your body moving, put it in line and then come back into 
the culture of craziness that is our our world really you know i love that one thing that i think you two really share in common as well which i've always admired about both of you is not a lot of guys in your world are so ready to express their vulnerability and their love for their partners you know everybody will say i love this girl this is my lady or whatever but both of you are so vocal um, and expressive with the absolute undying love that you have for your partners. And it's something that I think really marks you two guys apart from many of your, your peers. And it's super inspiring to me and really, you know, quite amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. How long have you been uh, with your, you're married? Are you married? Are you? So I, I, I'm uh, engaged to a new lady. I was married to, uh, for 18 years to someone um, okay. who thankfully is out of my life. Um, but very happily engaged, and uh, I met her, and she just became one of those people that is on your side and helps you change for the better and makes you realize the shit that you used to live in was toxic, and, you know, just one of those, kind of like a life coach, too, for, for various reasons, uh, and I helped her out. You know, we kind of, like, sharpen each other's edges. We're very good for each other. She's been wonderful to me and uh, you know, has, has brought me love that I've kind of never known, really. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, first relationships never work out. First marriages, really. Mine didn't work out. Yeah. And it was literally, you know, if you, if you sign this record deal, if you go on tour, I'm leaving you. It's like, well, then I'm, I'm, it's done now. It's yeah. done now. That one thing I've wanted to do since I was, you know, whatever, eight years old. So it's, it's good when you find that person. Um, like I said, I don't have guys night out. I don't, you know, I, I'm going to go hang with the boys tonight. It's like, I couldn't even imagine it. I, I don't tour with them out Anastasia uh, anymore. If, if she's not going to go or she can't go or what have you, or something's going on, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not, I'm not going to be driving on a bus looking at a beautiful Vista anymore and call her and be like, wow, you should have seen the scenery. Wow, that's wow, I'm at this place in Japan you'd love it. Like I'm done. Life is way too short. I could have retired a long time ago. And now I just was like, don't get caught up in the running of things when you have something so beautiful, Jesse, mm, you know, have, ha it's, it's the only thing in life is that is you and her. That's it. It's you and her, the times you spend, the children you make, the things you laugh about. Laughter is a powerful medicine. The things you pray about. And again, I'm not organized religion. I had it shoved down my throat for my lifetime. I went to Baptist school. I graduated from, yeah, I'm just like, I'm done with that. But the things that you you pray with together, uh, the, the, the life choices that you make together, what you bring. And when you have a friend that's also um, a passionate lover and, and all these other things, you can have a connection and a relationship that lasts absolutely forever. You know, and you can find it in when you're 18 or 20. It just has to be the right person. Uh, Anastasia in the beginning put up, put up with a lot from me when we first met. I mean, to give you an example, and it's going to make me immediately sound like an asshole, but the first time I met her to go on a date date, I arrived at the whiskey with like three or four other girls with me. <laughs> and she immediately looked at me and was like, I'm, she immediately looked at me and was like, I'm out of here. Wow. You know? And she didn't even really know who, what I did when we first met either. So and, and, and she actually that night said, well, I'm out of here. And she started to leave. And I scooped her up and walked her down the stairs. Uh, and just, that was it. I never looked back. I was like, I never want to hear that again. And, and uh, so I think, you know, and I don't say that to be macho. I say that because all men go through immaturity and all men have a tendency to be immature when it comes to relationships, especially men under 30. 
And usually between 30 and 40, you find your most meaningful relationships. And that's also with the guys that you hang as well, because all those little things that from with time you're 18 to time you're 30 go away. The jealousies, the this, the that. You're starting to hang out with people of your peers. Everyone's kind of got their shit together. You got a house and I got a house. I'm not jealous about you having a house. You have a wife, I have a wife. I'm not jealous. And that's another thing that, that takes away from relationships, you know? So, so yeah, well, well said on, on, on both of your parts. And I think uh, that old adage of a bad woman will ruin your life and a good woman will make it better. Uh, I've gone to make some choices before that would shove my face in the mud. And Anastasia said, no, that's not what you're going to do. And uh, it's worked out for me. So I tend to listen to her. She's a, a good guiding soul, you know? Yeah. Likewise, I have that as well. And, and not just with, um, you know, life stuff, but even with writing, she's a brilliant poet and a writer. So there's been times where I'm writing and she steps in and it's like, try that or switch that. And, you know, I'll be in here working on music and it, it works. She's helped me pen a few things. It's, a, yeah, it's so great to have. Since 98, uh, since 98, I've been writing with Anastasia. That's awesome. She's amazing. I mean, she won't let me put her name in the records or any of this, but she's written, you know, I would say, you know, I would say a quarter of my material with me. Wow. We go in the room and just have these writing sessions that are so insane. And I sing a line from her and a couple lines from me. And then she's my bounce back and I'm her bounce back. So she'll sing a line. I'm like, that's terrible. Like, and that's cheesy, you know, or whatever. And she'd be like, oh, yeah, what do you got that's better? I think you need that. And look, singers are a, um, we're kind of a lonely lot. We, musicians have musicians to write with. Guitar players have other guitar players, other bass players, drummers who write. We're a lonely lot. It's lonely on tour. A lot of times you wake up on the bus, everyone's gone. It's just you. Tell me it hasn't happened. Okay. You know, same thing with writing. We're in there. We're writing. We're expected to make the hit song. We're expected. And so, you know, if you don't have a writing partner, it could be very difficult. You're, you're often running it by a guitar player or running it by a bass player who doesn't know how to write lyrics anyways. So what kind of knowledge are you getting from? Oh, it sounds cool. It's like, well, what does that mean? Could it be better? I don't know how. Well, thanks. I'm not coming to you again. You know? So yeah. Yeah. So, so keep up on that, you know? And, and I think what you'll find is you, you'll establish a, just an amazing relationship. How long have you and your girl been together? It's going on five years. Oh yeah. That's enough time to, you know, and then, the you know, COVID time to go like, to the bathroom with the door open. Yeah. Yeah. When and COVID was like the real solidifier, you know, cause I'd never stayed still for that long and to be able to, and we live out in nature. We live in the Catskill mountains up here in Woodstock. So oh, how beautiful to be able to like go out and, and just be together in nature that, I think that really fast forwarded our relationship to, to be where we are now. Yeah. yeah see, over, I, here, over here, they shut us down on that. Oh yeah. No, they we tried to, we yeah. tried, they tried to, we snuck out. We found places. They tried to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, we live up on a big mountain, a lot of trails around us. And we said, right, well, let's just go take a walk. And no, the cops stopped us and you can't go out. I mean, I actually got in his face. Like I can't go walk in nature right now. There's not one person out. No, you can't. They were arresting surfers. Wow. Which wow. was like, bro, I, I don't even know, you know? So yeah, I think, um, I think a good partner makes for good life lessons. I mean, I, 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 I tell her every day when I, when I take a walk from, from being who I am in this business, you know, not behind the business, but when I take a walk from being a front man, she'll know before me, she'll know when it doesn't look good, sound good, debuting well, any of this, she'll know before me, because a lot of the times singers, we get this, we get a blinder, you know, and it's the same way with songs. We get, a, this is amazing. You got to hear this track. And, 
you know, my partner's like, well, you could do better on that chorus. It's like, oh my God, okay, I'm going back in now, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I've been going through that for about a year right now with the with the new record. So uh, the whole lonely thing <laughs> and, and everything you just said struck such a nerve. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, people don't realize like they, they talk to singers, like, let me talk to you about your life, man. You know, it's like, well, sure, I've had some incredible rock and roll times and stories. I have an autobiography coming at the end of the year. A lot of it's going nice. to be in there. I have two autobiographies actually coming. And, uh, and, but they don't really realize the position of a captain. So go watch old pirate movies. I mean, he's eating by himself. Now, he's giving orders that they like and that they don't like. That's all there is to it. So there's a bit of a loneliness there. And there's a loneliness on the road and there's a loneliness when you're writing. And there's, of course, there's a camaraderie when you get together and you're jamming or you're on the road. I mean, you're, you know, you're on stage, but there is a loneliness that comes from uh, being you know, the guy uh, in a band. You know, I've never, um, you seem to me, actually, I'll bring this up. You seem to me, uh, from the things I've seen on you, and of course, we've never really, uh, you know, we've never really like talked like this, of course, you and I, we've hung out for a minute, but we've not like, hey, let's get one-on-one as people, right, right. as humans, right, away from this job. I think you, you strike me as a guy who's not uh, going to fall into the ego of being uh, in your position. And there's so many guys that do that in a band and it's, uh, it's, it's really off-putting. I mean, really off-putting. I won't, I won't deal with it. And I'm sure you, you seem like a guy who's not, not going to deal with that either. There's no difference between you. Well, this is going to sound, I'm a Freemason. So this is going to sound very Masonic, but there's no difference between you and me and, you know, the, the, the guy who picks up my garbage, you know, you know what I mean? The guy who delivers my, uh, whatever my you know my juice drinks in the morning or whatever there's no difference right but people inevitably from the time that rock and roll got started view singers as this thing this i don't know this god thing or this thing god i wish i was you it's like bro really let me tell you the five things that almost put me in my grave today alone <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean let me tell you the five things the five emails that just got my heart racing where i had to go calm the fuck down have some zen and deal with this like a like a man so you you kind of register to me uh, as that kind of individual. And keep in mind, I'm a poker player as well. When me and Anastasia got together, it's all we did is play poker against each other for the first two years to learn to, to know each other. But when I look at you and I see your eyes and uh, it, you, you look like the guy who's not going to put up with, with ego, which is a higher source of insanity, truthfully. You know? Yeah, I do my best to, to wrestle uh, because, you know, I'm not... I wouldn't even consider myself the main frontman of Killswitch. You got Adam D, guitar player, producer. So we we sort of do the ping pong thing when it comes to who's leading the band, I guess you could say. But there's a yeah. mutual respect there. Um, I'd say, if anything, my issue is the opposite of ego. I, I get super insecure and have to sort of boost myself back up. And I go into nature and I exercise. And I like what you said when you have all these things on your plate you got to sort of readjust, you go away, do your exercise, get into nature, then come back and, and retackle that issue. And that's, that's totally my MO. Like I have issues dealing with certain things. I have issues being confrontational and I find ways to remind myself of who I am in this world. And you're right. It's a level playing field. No one is higher than another person. So you have to come at people with that state of mind where we're all in the same playing field, if you will. We all have different um, backgrounds and, and issues from where we come from, but 
at the end of the day, there is really no difference. I totally agree with everything you said. Yeah. Yeah. I, it kind of plays into, you know, uh, three years ago, I started an Instagram called personal, personal positive, or personal positive thoughts with Des. Yeah. And um, we gained 10, 12, 15,000 followers, whatever it was. I was talking daily about things, you know, Hey, you can do this. You can do that. Get up, do this. You know, you see a lot of it actually on Instagram and uh, I got off and I haven't been on in, in, in a long time. And that goes to this point is when everything went down with Anastasia in 2019, I couldn't go in my backyard and talk on videos to people. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, I'm not going to go on videos and talk to people and tell them to get, you know, keep their mind right. And the said, because I don't know what they're going through. And I don't want to be so egotistical as to think I can self-charge you from watching this little video to keep your fucking head together. At this point in time, you need to do it yourself. And then I was planning on getting back in and then I had what happened to me. So I've been off my own site for years because I, if I can't find enough energy around me to give my wife, my children, my clients, my friends, I won't broaden it out and give it to, to groups of people. Um, and, and the ego thing, the easy way for you to deal with that, I think, is realize you don't need it until you get the microphone in, the, in your hand. So I tell everybody, have whatever conversation you want with me. But when my in-ears are on and I have 10 minutes to stage, 20 minutes to stage, and I'm holding my, my mic because I got my first cordless mic this year. <laughs> first one I've ever had, and I'm holding my mic backstage, I go, don't bring up anything that could be bad. Don't bring up anything that could be confrontational. Don't, don't, do, don't say fucking anything to me. I'm in another world. I've got a tank I'm building around me. I've got machine guns coming out my eyes. I'm fucking, <laughs> it's going to happen any minute now, right? You got a hurricane coming. Let's not get it. Don't get yourself around the wind basically. And I tell everybody, take, give me, give me 20 minutes to take off the jacket at the end of the stage show. Give me 20 minutes to take it off. I'm still insanely charged. Most of the time I go on stage, I don't quite remember. I don't know if a lot of singers have that. I mean, I actually speak to Jesse about that. Cause I've never, I've never asked another singer guy if you have that, but I come off and I hour later try to remember the show. And I, I fucking can't for me, it's like a fight. Anytime I've ever been in a fist fight, which is many, I've had my nose broke several times. I've raised on around and on the street and I, I blank out. It's gone. I don't remember anything until someone's dragging us off each other or one of us wakes up. And so, you know, I think you for yourself could deal with that just by saying, okay, when I get the microphone, it's on. Other than that, the ego is off, you know? Mm. This is something I had to teach myself. I and mean, when I was younger in the beginning of Cold Chamber, it was like all about fucking rock and roll ego, you know, like where's the whiskey? Where's the porn stars? Where's the party? You know, it wasn't even where's the money. I mean, it was, like, it was like, where's everything I ever dreamt about? Oh, wait a minute. There's money to be made. Like yeah. I better put my fucking eyes on this. If there's people around me making money while I'm in party mode, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a good way for you to deal with it. Just say, hey, microphone's on. Chamber it. Yeah. No, no, pun, intended. yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no, no, no pun intended, guys. It's wild that you say that. I was just out in uh, Copenhagen and France for Hellfest and Copenhagen. I um, love that. At both festivals, because I know Zach from touring with Zach. He, yeah. invi he, he invited me up to watch Pantera on the stage. And both times, the sort of kabuki flag thing was was up before it dropped. And just watching Phil, like 
it was very clear to me he was going into a very specific headspace before ah. about to sing those songs, you know? And like before the set, I'd see him around and he was kind of relaxed and jovial. And, and then on that stage, as that flag is raised and he's, he's barefoot and he's, I could see in his eyes, like that's like a, a boxer going to a specific headspace. And it was very interesting to watch that from, you know, just a couple of feet away. I was like, oh, that's a process. I've seen that from within. I mean, I wouldn't have a career if Pantera didn't take me out all over the world. Uh, after that, I'd lived with Ansamo off and on for four years. I mean, I was there the whole time they were writing Reinventing on the phone, him and Dime, taking long walks with Philip. Uh, Down would come over to rehearse, and he does the same thing at rehearsals. He's in a headspace, and then there he goes, and then he's the most jovial, quintessential gentleman guy, you know, great guy, great, great dude, you know, and I think. I think, I think with anything, right? I look, look at a, a, how can I like, look at a pro skier or, you know, pro snowboarder or, or something. I mean, I guarantee, you know, 30 minutes before he's getting ready to jump <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is, they're getting their head together. Uh, but other than that, the ego, the ego, you know, back to what we're speaking of, it doesn't, doesn't belong, you know? And if you catch mm-hmm. Philip backstage, he's going to tell you stories and shit. He's not going to show you any ego, but uh, you go ahead try to run up on stage when he's singing. <laughs> have, have fun that's like a braver not, man than i <laughs> he will knock you he will knock you the fuck out he's a dangerous fucking human being if he wants to be and uh, i love i love him for it i mean i for me i think he's you know one of the top five front men in the whole entire world and i don't know who's going to touch him and i think everybody that including myself everybody that gets on a microphone in heavy metal has some kind of ensamoism has something from watching Pantera. Maybe not the younger, younger, younger bands, you know, that are out there with, you know, just different sorts. But I think, you know, heavy metal, he is certainly, you know, the king, you know. He calls himself the kid, the kid, you know. I I much more prefer king for him. Yeah, I don't think, I think you're right. How could you not, at one point, I would say Pantera were the most important metal band on the planet, hands down. And the intensity that they brought, it was, so I was, grew up in hardcore. I was more of a hardcore punk. And then to me, a lot of those metal bands, I was like, "Eh, they're kind of cool. And then you see a force like Pantera, which was really the combination of metal and then hardcore and punk, especially, you know, you're talking vulgar display of power like that. You put that album into anybody's hands that's into hardcore, they're not going to say anything bad about it. They're not going to make fun of the double, but you know, they're not going to make fun of the fact they had long hair, like, you know, that weird crossover in the nineties, yeah. you know, and watching those performances, watching those videos, Phil was like, you couldn't fucking touch him. You couldn't touch yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, I think you and I, we come from the same cloth. I, w- I was cut on, you know, Crumb suckers and black flag and circle jerks. Yeah, crumb suckers. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and the germs and and uh, uh, psychobilly and a lot of goth. You know, alien sex fiend, Bauhaus. I mean, down and down. You know, and then I heard a uh, 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 Motorhead on the other side of a crumb suckers tape that someone made for me, and I saw a picture of him. And I went, "Holy fuck, what is this?" And it just yeah. kind of. Of course, I had heard radio Ozzy this on the radio, but I never really like heavy metal. And then I found Motorhead, and then I started like i started growing my hair out i started everything changed from that point on you know it's funny how 
how styles of music can 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 come in and do that you know what i mean but yeah that band is incredible i'm glad that he's getting to do his thing for the brothers and there's just a whole you know look i got kids i got three kids in their 20s you know so it's like it's it's uh actually one is just over his 20s now but just um these are you know kids that have never seen that band well dude yeah. every night they'd ask the crowd how many people saw pantera back in the day and like five percent of the audience every night would put their hand up and, and just unreal that, that emotion as, as everybody then who said they hadn't seen him before put their hands up and it's like 90 percent of the crowd and they're seeing it for the first time it was overwhelmingly beautiful unbelievable yeah unbelievable and so look getting turned on to music is what saved my life i wasn't i'm still to this day like i, I my wife tries me to get watch movies and it's like unless it's the bronx tale or the godfather it's like, I just like i'll watch the same thing over and over she's been trying to get me to watch avatar the way of water since i don't even know when it's like i can't media i can't focus like even now when i'm talking to you i'm looking around in my area uh but music i'm like oh and i just get silent i mean especially if i'm in headphones in my studio, like I want to get turned on to a new band. That's how I do it. Headphones in my studio, close my door. Boom. Let's do this. You know, for me, it's like, let's do this. This is a new movie. You know, this is the new kid on the block. Let's meet this kid, you know? And, uh, actually I, 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 uh, I think that these people now, this generation now is getting ready to see Pantera are going to have a way to mark their next peers that are coming up really. There's a band that you look after who I've had on my show uh, that I do separately on my own, and I've known them a few years. Beautiful people, Sumo Psycho. Just adore, adore them. Uh, I think they're so creative, and you know the, all the tour videos that they do, and just like what they bring to their social media um, to elevate the overall package of the band. They're such a creative, hardworking beautiful group of people but who who was your would it have been ozzy and sharon who were your mentors in the managerial lane um yeah i had uh as far as i'm concerned two real mentors uh obviously sharon osborne big time i watched everything she did right and wrong uh around her life i watched i watched it all and um and then another cat uh actually uh who you work with jesse steve davis oh yeah uh we've had just long conversations him and i uh over years and um i mean i you know he came in and looked after me for a little while when he had he had nobody he had just had danzig and had nobody and about a week after taking me on he called me go dude i'm like the mayor of metal i'm getting so many calls i said good i wish this the best for you like whatever we can do you know and then i saw him take on other bands i actually called him when I was in Al's house and found out he didn't have a manager and called Steve and said, bro, Al's looking for a manager. You're the fucking dude. So I passed that to him. I mean, now that I have my company, I, would, I was like, Hey, I would do this, but you have to have mentors in your life with anything in life. I think, you know, a lot of people, if you're getting sober, you need a sober mentor. Jesse has his fiance. I have my wife. Uh, but, it, but those are the two cats, uh, in my life that have mentored me in the management thing. I mean, I, I tell every band this when I first speak with them. So for those who don't know, I run a management company called the Oracle management. We've been around for about six years, seven years. We've got a lot of big bands. We've, we've, we've broken bands from nothing uh, over here where I couldn't even find agents really, or bands to take them out. We've broken them. Uh, Ginger is, is one of them. And I tell bands all the time when we first have our conversation, like if a, if a, uh, if a singer, is going into management, right? Um, well, what just happened? 
business phone blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right on this phone. I love it. <laughs> now I got to figure out how to get back here. Uh, I can see you guys can see me, right? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah, can see we you. Can see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. yeah. I tell, I, t- I tell them all the time. I say, listen, man, if a singer turns into a manager, like don't go with him. Like there's two reasons it's happening. He's, he's either broke, which is not true. I could have retired easily 20 years ago. Uh, and, or his career is over, which is not true. Um, <laughs> can you hit my phone? <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work. I love uh, it. I love it. And, 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 or he's, or he's, his career is over, right? Which is not true. I'm running two bands and one of them is, you know, number one on radio right now, five, four or five weeks in a row. And, you know, so then the question begs, why, do, why do management? Mm. It's like, I, since the beginning was always the guy who booked the shows for Cole Chamber got the record deals, same thing with Devil Driver, helped other bands get the record deals, get the managers, get agents. Like, And I love behind the scenes and, and, and I love running businesses. I mean, we started Sun Cult, a business that my family owns with one t-shirt and one surfboard. And now it's in 700 Zoomies and testing until he's and doing well. And I love seeing things from the ground up go. It's why I left Cold Chamber. Well, I left Cold Chamber for numerous reasons, but I had no problem doing it because I wanted to start from scratch and see what I could do again. See if it was a fluke see if it was just a one-time thing. And it obviously wasn't. So, you know, I think first of all, and second of all, you got to love what you do. You got to love what you do. And I'm, I'm up at 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm the guy who takes the calls by seven o'clock. I've got a tour uh, for my bands. Um, you know, when, when, when a lot of managers, frankly, are asleep, frankly, you know, uh, not in the office till 10, not in the office till 11. One of the first managers I tried to hire over here name will be withheld. I couldn't get a hold of him till 11 o'clock one day. I said, what's going on? He's like, oh, I'll come in about noon. I'm at the gym. And I was like, this is going to be your daily MO. Like you started 11 or 12, you get your emails. He goes, yeah, I go, you're fired. It's like, I've worked here 48 hours. You're fired. Like you're done. Mm-hmm. Like my wife's the CEO. She won't put up with it. We're in the office at 5 a.m. I'm, I'm doing business till 11 p.m. If she's got to go to bed, she can. I'll go down in the other office and do business. And I believe in, uh, in, in hard work, you know, and hard effort, you know? Love so, it. yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned that band, but I mean, we've got, I mean, just being able to look after bands that I love so much, you can go back to 1995 and see me wearing a Cradle of Filth shirt, Cradle of Filth hoodie, you know? So being able to be in that camp and look after that camp and do what I've done for that camp, which I'll not brag on, but let let Danny discuss or or bring Ginger out when we couldn't even find him an agent in the States. And now they've been on the front cover of Revolver five times. And of course it's them, their stage show, their music, everything that's driving them, but they have a team behind them that, that, that did it uh, with them for them, you know, Um, or looking after a a longtime brand like Exodus, like watch that brand right now, because the moves that are being made in the next 16 months are going to be, they're going to come at, they're going to come quick and furious and they're going to be, they're going to be brand building. Right. So I love, uh, I love brand building. I love thinking about things like brands, right? Certain things are Coca-Cola and cannot change. If you change them, people will run away. Uh, other things are not quite that specific and you can brand build, you can change, you can diversify, uh, you can do Coke light, Diet Coke, you know what I'm saying? And you have to think of things in in those terms, really, you know, Mm. it's fascinating. I think a lot of people don't see that side of of the music business and have that sort of gusto or that energy for it so it's cool to know that one of our own you know someone who's been in the trenches is behind bands because i think that's a a, an issue and i'm sure anyone musician out there who's done touring or knows 
a lot of managers don't understand what it's like to be out there, to be in the grind, to be on tour. Um, so some things slip through the cracks and you can't see eye to eye on certain things. So it's nice to know that someone like you is out there helping fans like that. I think it's thank you. I mean, it's good important. for me too. Cause like if you're in Tucson and you're into fried chicken, like I'll tell you where to go or sushi or, you know what I mean? If you're like, Oh, you're in, <laughs> Oh, you're in Texas. At, I'm sure uh, there's more to it than that. Des, yeah. You're in Texas, the house of blues walk outside, go to the left. There's a great barbecue place or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a different thing. And I like to think I bring a certain passion to it. I mean, I, I have a lot to prove. And it's probably like you, Jesse, you're starting a podcast. You have a lot to prove. You know, anytime you start something new, new relationship, new business, you have a lot to prove. And we certainly over here had a, a, a ton to prove. What happened with us is we got a call from an agent one afternoon. Actually, Dan DeVita from TKO actually called me and said, you guys would be amazing managers. I know you're constantly in the grind. Like, what would you think? And I, I kind of had a long conversation with Anastasia. She goes, yeah, that's, that would be fun. I think it would be a great time. And we've just, we've built a great, magnificent company and looking after such bands as you mentioned and, and I mentioned. And for me, it feels like an honor. Either I look after them for a short time or a long time or what have you. It feels like an honor just to be in their life. I get to hear, you know, Cradle of Filth demos before anybody. I'll hear the Exodus record before anybody. I heard Ginger's record before anybody. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I love Hail Marys, meaning that possibly cannot be done. This guy's a metal guy. This can't be done. This isn't done in our industry. Okay. Can't be done. I'm going to shoot Ed Sheeran's manager an email. We'd like to do a song with Ed Sheeran. And this was long before uh, I even Bring Me the Horizon came out with theirs, I guess. You know, it's, it's that, and I shot him an email. And he got back to me 10 minutes later. And this is a guy who handles the biggest artist in the world. And him and I started talking and chatting it up and, and getting along. And now look, you know, we actually just finished the song uh, with Danny Filth and uh, with Cradle of Filth and Ed Sheeran. And it's amazing. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. So there's a certain gratitude that, that like, you know, you saw a mountain, maybe it couldn't be climbed. I charted the course. I bought the ice pick. I bought the ice shoes. I was scared halfway up. I made it to the top. Now we're at base camp. Let's all cook a fire and have some coffee. And that's like, that's the applause you should feel if you're a manager and doing great things for your band. It's not always I booked a tour, right? At all. I got you the right money or I got you the right slot at a festival. That's normally it. Or, hey, I held the bus. It's like anybody can do that. But you got to come in and say, how would you benefit from wearing the color purple? Well, I've never done that. How would you benefit from it? Let's try it, you know, and make, and, and also, like I said, Hail Marys are a huge part of the life of, of what I do for sure as a manager, you know, don't be afraid to take risks. I mean, I'm not afraid of no ever. I use the power of no in my life 50% of the time. So if you have two powers in your life, you'll exist and you will never die of a heart attack. The power of no and the power of fuck you. That's it. <laughs> There's only two things in life. That's all. Dude, and, uh, what did that, what did that downtime teach you about the importance of life and existence and why we are here? Cause that's a long time. Like I spent three months in hospital once and that was a long time to reconfigure, wow. you know, my soul and, and, and everything. You were saying you had 15, 16, something like that, year and a half, basically. Yeah, 16 months. I mean, they say if you want to reset yourself, go away for 90 days. Go away for 90 days, fast, work out, don't talk to anybody, reset yourself. 
you know, have prayer amongst yourself, think of, think about things. Right. And so I think those 16 months reset me to a point where I, I a, knew there were certain people in my life. I'm never going to talk to again. That never checked on me. Um, there was most definitely uh, thoughts of, wow, the government can do this. They can just actually, they can, people aren't even going to church, which, you know, the Mayflower came over from the UK <laughs> so they could go to church and we're not, no one's doing, we're not going anywhere. And then someone say, yeah, that's a good thing. There was a pandemic going on, asshole. Great. But we as humans, once we found that out, should have been it. Okay, I'm going to isolate. I'm going to do this. But we were mandatory with, you know, guns at a certain amount of time or jail threats at a certain amount of time. So I realized that, wow, okay, life can change in a heartbeat. And then, you know, I hadn't slowed down since ever. I ran away from home at an early age. My autobiography will explain my whole life. It was not fucking pretty. And I'd just been running and gunning from a time I was eight years old, basically. And uh, I was able to sit in my pajamas for three days on end. I was made dinner for my family every single night, uh, had breakfast with my wife every day uh, in the backyard, um, started a new company in the middle of the pandemic that's doing amazing, uh, got closer with my kids. Um, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable what that did, what that did. And actually, there was a point when I said, when this all comes back, I'm not going to be a musician anymore. But because of the travel and being on the road, being on tour buses, going through customs, having guns put in my face, taken aside for three hours and questioned, held at fucking gunpoint in Czechoslovakia, taken by gunpoint in Germany, dogs on my bus in fucking the Netherlands. Like, I mean, I just like, I was fucking done. I was done. And that also taught me to work through that and go, really? Why? Do you still have music in you? Yes. Do you love music? Yes. Do you want to make music? Yeah. Do you love the travel? You just don't love some of the incidents? Yeah. Do you like just not like some of the people? So change the people. Done. So I changed some crew members, some people like, and you know, you just made some changes for sure. Um, a so lot of people. Just when their- I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm here. I'm here as long as the gracious people in heavy metal will have me and allow me a career. As long as they'll listen, buy a shirt, buy a ticket, leave a cool message. I'm, I'm here, you know, for, for that, really. I, 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 I've, my life has, my autobiography will tell it all about my life and we should probably talk after that book comes out. But to be where I'm at right now with a roof over my head, I never even thought maybe that would be the case really, you know? So, so I'm, I'm very grateful and humbled by where I'm at. So we'll, we'll see when the time is to walk. I certainly don't want to walk. And I'm sure Jesse, you've, you've thought about this. I mean, you already walked and came back, right? So you've, you've had this conversation with yourself, right? It's uh, I don't want to stay too long. I have a doormat in front of my door. That says, uh, what does it say, Anastasia? It says, uh, uh, c- come and stay, you know, come on in and be welcome, but don't, don't stay too long. Don't make it weird. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. That's perfect. So, yeah. So, so we'll see, you know, we'll see. I'm pleased to see the reception behind a double disc. I mean, trying to take on dealing with demons too was rough. I, I had my producer say he'll never do a double record <laughs> again. And to have the reviews come out on number one and number two, the way they are, especially because, you know, number two is usually a B-side fucked up, you know, 
record. You know, anybody has done a double disc, most of the time a double disc is you know, second side. So I'm, 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 I'm pleased with that. And that kind of stuff keeps you rolling as an, as an artist, you know, the next tour, the next, I guess, review. I don't really listen to reviews, but the comments from people like, you know, great job or what have you. So I don't know. Accolades don't get me often much anymore. I just, I love the art to be honest with you. And what Jesse was talking about writing, like we could, I'm sure him and I could speak for hours on writing. Like I get off on that. It's the only place I did well in school was, was uh, anything having to do with literature. Mm. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a first and foremost, a poet. I, I write poetry frequently. That is definitely my love, the written word. And, uh, you know, you have a book, you have a poetry book yet. I don't, but I've been offered twice to do it. Um, I think if the offer were right, I would probably do it now because I think I have enough of a catalog to to do it. I just think when I was asked at the time, it just didn't really make sense. And the people that were asking didn't really make sense either. But yeah, I could easily put together a book for sure. We've got two, we got two, actually three amazing connections to massive book uh, companies. And I won't, I won't say them over the air here, but if you you know, if you want to uh, text me after this or email me, I'll give you their names, you know, for your manager to go do his thing. And I think people would really love that. I think anytime you do something out of what you normally do on stage, you know, this podcast, a poetry book, uh, maybe you're an artist, me and my wife, we paint, I've got, you know, probably 40 paintings, I'm waiting to have a, a showing, hopefully it'll happen this year. I mean, anytime you do something outside of the front man thing, yeah. uh it's 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 great it's wonderful and i think people love that so good so good luck with that and if if, if you guys need any names call us anastasia's made a lot of great connections i yeah. truly appreciate that and i will take you up on that at some point for sure because it's something i do want to do and I, I do think it would be received well because you know it's it's underneath all that it's it's really deeply personal and I think intriguing because i know i would want to read that type of stuff from someone that i you know looked up to or admired and you know, journal entries or whatever that case may be that that inner look into somebody and their creativity is is definitely unique and special. So I, at some point, I'm definitely going to do that. Yes. Yeah, so and very important, too, because right, your lyrics, your voice, your words are coming with a uh, maybe a convoluted tone to some people if they're coming through music. Oh, yeah. I got to the guitars, the bass, the this, the that maybe they don't like heavy metal. So now if they don't like heavy metal, they're not going to they're not listening to your words, your feelings your emotions who you are you give it to them in a poetry book they read it at their own cadence they read it without this barrage yeah. of of smoke and lightning around it you know what i mean and yeah. and fire most of the time you know they don't read it like that they'll read it to themselves and i think yeah get to know you a little more and that that's always the case i think at the beginning of this record cycle the double disc record cycle i had to sit down with uh, people we were working with and said listen you're i'm a very private guy I'm probably one of the most private guys in metal. I don't do a lot of podcasts. I don't do a lot of stuff. But on these records, I did. Actually, not even on the first record. On this record, I did. Because they sat me down and said, the personal thing is cool and everything. But man, you're trying to sell yourself. You know, you know, you, you've got a band to sell here. Like, you need to get out. You need to talk. You need to get on podcasts. You need to. And I said, I don't want to. I don't want to be in. So I, I shut down my Twitter right before the record got released. And I'm sure there's a lot of people around me that were Pulling not. the hair out. <laughs> not happy and i'm like it doesn't matter man i don't i don't want to do that i want to just do the art but there's other things that go along with it and what i realize is oh okay if i am so private all of these years you never really got to know me okay come on in come on in my house let's have a conversation i got guys right now asking me about personal stuff let's give it to them and, you know and perhaps that 
have somebody, uh, you know, maybe there's somebody watching this now that has never heard any of my music in Cold Chamber or Devil Driver and they go check out Spotify or, or what have you, you know what I mean? Go buy a record. I'd rather have you go buy a record, but that's not going to happen. Spotify's well, you've right also, there. well, you've also, you know, dropped a lot of wisdom, I think is helpful to people. And I think that's, if nothing else, that's what keeps me uh, on social media. Look, I'm getting ready to take a nice little break. My 45th birthday is coming off. I'm going to take a nice little pause on all of it. But what brings me back to it is I want to impart wisdom. I want to, and it's that fine line that you were saying earlier, you had that, that positive thoughts thing. And you can't really give of yourself unless you have that. And I, I need to fill up my tank. I'm, I'm running on fumes these days between working on the record and just everything. So what I yeah. like about what you've imparted to people who are listening to this right now is there's a lot of wisdom and things that you've said and a lot of things that younger people in the game or people who don't have the experience that you have can learn from. And that's where, where the age you sort of get into where you are able to pass on your wisdom and that's what you're doing with your management. I think that type of mentorship is really important. And that's why you doing this right now is important because somebody's going to hear something you said, it's going to help them. And I think that's the reason why I even still do this type of stuff. Yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. We're all just humans here, man. And this is what got me into Freemasonry as well, man, is, is finding other guys who thought deeper and just weren't into, you know, music or what have you, or, or running in the, the circles I run in. Uh, that want to talk about deeper things that want to do charity work. So I started doing a lot of charity work. I, uh, a ton of charity work actually for the Navajo at the window rock. I was uh, brought into the tribe via shaman. Uh, I'm now coyote pass clan. I don't know if this has ever even happened for another Caucasian male uh, because I did charity, a lot of charity work for the elementary or when I go there, I do shirts, they can take all the money or what have you. I think it's important to give back in life really. Um, and, and to mentor anybody you can come into contact with. I mean, you could be sitting in the grocery store line and see somebody behind you in tears and simply put your hand on their shoulder and go, hey, you okay today? You having a bad day? Yeah, I'm having a fucked up day. So-and-so in my life just passed away and I'm just here trying to get groceries. And then you say to them, hey, look, this is life. Life is a movie. Watch it play itself out. You know, uh, I'm sorry for your hurt, but this too shall pass. We're all energies. We'll all pass on. We'll all see each other again. You know, have a great day. And you don't know, you may have stopped someone from going home and committing, you know, killing themselves. You know, I've had a lot of suicide in, in, in my life, uh, uh, too much, uh, parent, a lot of suicide. And what I realized, if someone would have told those people, just giving them two minutes of their time, it's very Italian in your face, right? But <laughs> two, minute, two minutes of your time can save someone's life uh, so good for you. Good, good for you that you have, you know, some kind of a higher calling. I think we all, we all do, but we have to find it right. Some people, they make their money and then they just go to work for charity funds the rest of their life because that's, they found the calling or within their life, they realize how to do charity works or they help their elderly neighbor across the street because she can no longer cook food anymore. So they go over and I'm, I'm actually saying this, I have a neighbor that does this actually goes over and, you know, cooks two meals a day, drop, you know, leaves it for the person like, and I said to them the other day, you know, why, why do you do this? I'm, I'm doing this because I wouldn't you do it. Mm. And I said, yeah, I would. And if you need help, let me know, too. I'll come over and I'll come over and cook, too. And I think that's that's kind of the message here is we're, we're all humans. We're all living here on this planet. Uh, and after seeing what went on with the pandemic and. Ritual rioting and then things, I just I just went, wow, this, you know, we, we all need to come together a little more, you know. 
Amen. I think as well, just as an observational kind of viewpoint from my end, you two have such necessary voices, not just in music, but as we've just discussed there in these areas outside and around, because that's really where I think you can make a difference. Once you've done all, you know, there is to achieve in your careers, you've both, there's more left, of course, but you've, you've kind of reached the top of the mountain, right? In both of your careers. And now it's about looking around and seeing what else you can do and where else you can mine to share that message and help people and you know elevate people's spirits so thank you to both of you for what you do oh yeah man music is a wonderful tool to do it a wonderful tool jesse reaches a wide audience i'd like to think over my career i've I've reached a, a wide audience i think you know there's you know you've had it right jesse like kids come up and say you know like you saved my life you know, or oh, someone yeah. writes on it, then you saved my life or your music saved my life. If you can do that once, just once, even over a 30 year career, just once, let's just say you saved one person from taking themselves out and watching the movie play itself out at the end. You did your job, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. at the end, I think we all have, we all have wings to wings to earn i've been doing this thing lately at night and it's it's actually pretty cool as i i've been uh, watching these youtubes of of near-death experiences and i've been doing this now for about a month and it's so fucking intriguing the common thread it's unbelievable some will say they went to heaven some will say they went to hell some will say they found you know they met their dog on the other side i met my my dad on the other side but the thing that they all have in common is within a second of knowing that they were actually out of their body actually done and they're viewing their body from below their life cycles in front of them every good every good decision every bad decision every every person you hurt every time you could have saved somebody every time you kicked that dog and you shouldn't have you know everything you ever fucking did and i think it's been really uh it's been life-changing for myself to be honest with you i am neither afraid of man nor death whatsoever and when you watch these things and these people come back and they're like, you know, I was a fucking terrible person. And then after this, uh, you know, I went down to my nearest, whatever. I started working this. I started doing charity works. I started helping out at a church or what have you, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's really absolutely interesting. So yeah, if you want to become, I think, highly evolved pretty quick, go watch some of those videos and they'll make you think about, you know, the things that you do in life, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I also like what you said too. I think this is important and maybe even in closing would be good living in fear. I think we've gone through this. All of us in this world have have gone through a time where fear has been the ruler of a lot of people. And I think what I've learned more than anything, and this goes into spiritual practice as well with what you were just talking about facing death reality. If you're able to, not live in fear, not let fear command your actions and you live outside of the the clutches of fear. I think that is truly when you're able to experience life, the essence of why we're here to understand the reason why we do go through pain and suffering and, and understanding why, you know, those things make us who we are and are, we're able to better ourselves through those things, taking fear and, and pushing it aside. And when I say fear, I mean the crippling sort of like negative anxiety fear, not the respect for something sort of fear. Um, And I love how you touched on that. I think that's a really good way to sort of end it off. 
dealing and facing your fears is probably the most important thing you can do in your life. I think to speak on that, I think, yes, uh, you know, fear, first of all, everything is a vibration. So if you ever had those times when, and me and Anastasia do it all the time, we have ESP together now, we finish, finish each other's sentences. And if you ever had those times when you're thinking about something, you're thinking about someone and they call, mm. you're thinking about something the way you want it to go. And it goes that way. That's because thought is a powerful vibration. The strongest vibration of all of those thoughts is fear. And when you fear something and you put the vibration of fear out, you manifest that fear into reality. It becomes a tangible thing and it'll come your way. We are in a matrix. You can script your own everything. But when you have crippling fear, and that's a great way to put it, uh, Jesse is when you have crippling fear, the vibration you put out is such a low vibration that nothing else can get in, not happiness, not sadness, none of it. Uh, you know, and I think suffering, there is no growth without suffering. End of story. Uh, happiness does not teach you growth. You know, when you get rich, it does not teach you growth. The only thing that teaches you growth is when you suffer. And that's, that's ancient wisdom right there that, that I, I abide by. So when something happens to me that, you know, I think is bad or what have you in business or in personal life, I mean, stub my toe, whatever, whatever it is. I just say to myself, okay, what have I just learned? Well, I just stubbed my toe. Well, I'm not going to walk around. I'm not going to walk next to that wall the same way that I did. You know, when I go up my stairs, I'm going to take a wider turn. Right. So I think without suffering, we don't grow. But fear, you have to watch that because as you have fear in your life, you manifest the most powerful energy out there. And it'll it'll circumvent everything else in your life and take you over and it, and then you're done. Right. And also don't don't script the outcome that life is a movie. So we do it as singers. Oh, God, I got to go on tour. The bus is going to arrive. This is going to happen. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be out for this long. I'm going to be away for this long. I'm going to do this. Don't do that. Life is a movie. Watch it play itself out. You don't even know if the bus will be here on time. You don't even know. So I just tend to watch it all now. And as it happens, I take it in as I'm watching my own story, not as even if I'm in it. If I want to control it, I start manifesting my thoughts. I start thinking, okay, this is the way I want this to go. You know, I mean, so far it's worked with Bitcoin. <laughs> so, so, and, Do and Dogecoin when I got in years ago. But I mean, you know, I, I laugh and I digress to try to add some humor to the conversation, but don't use fear as a tool in your life. Here's where fear is good. Fear helped our ancients from primeval, prime, prime, primordial man to Genghis Khan to plan. What's ahead? Better fear that. Might be a, in the jungle, might be a jaguar. Gotta watch out. That's fear. That helps you, that helps you primordially prepare. Okay, what's around that mountain? That's okay. That kind of fear is like, uh, you know, I better pack my stage shoes now because I'm in fear that I'm going to leave them yeah. if I don't put them in my suitcase now because I'm thinking about too much shit. You know, I'm getting ready to leave tour. That kind of fear helps you. But when you sit and manifest the fear of like, God, what's going to happen one day when I die? What's going to happen with my girlfriend? What's going to happen with this client? Is this client going to, uh, they're going to stay with me? Are they going to grow? Are they, uh, is, what's going on with this? You know, when you go there, you're done, man. 
the, the vibration, if you could actually see it around you, is an ugly clogged brown mess that just looks like a hazy fog. And there's no way to cut through it without some kind of positive way out. Some kind of, you know, okay, no, I'm not going to let this manifestation of this fear come get to me. I saw it with my wife. I cannot even tell you. 98 pound redhead with the strength of Genghis Khan's full army, man. Like she hit her cancer diagnosis. Like, well, fuck it. I've had a good one. I'm like, what? She's like, put on Donna. Don she loves Donna Summer. She's like, put on Donna Summer. I'm going to kick back back here. Make me a cocktail. Um, she's like, you know, I'm like, okay, no problem. I mean, you know, what do you want to do? I want to kick back with you and just, let's just kick back. Let's, you know, let's listen to music all night. Let's, and I'm like, she ends up going in and grabbing, you know, we've got a kind of a modern tiki bar. You know, she gets a tiki hat on 20 fucking minutes later. She's sitting here having fucking drinks with me with a tiki hat on, you know, kicking me as I get up fucking with me. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like the power of fuck it, fuck you and fuck off. And the power of no, no, I'm not going to let this get to me. If this is my last hour on earth, I'm having a great time. And so I was like, it really absolutely helped me when I watched her go through this. Because now everybody's going to get a fucked up diagnosis once in their life, unless you go out quickly. You know what I'm saying? Unless you go out quick, you're going to get some diagnosis, right? And now I know anything like that comes down on me again, because I did worry. When they said I had COVID, I did worry when they said I was going to have heart surgery. I did worry when the guy's like, you're never going to go on stage again with what you got going on right now. I did worry. And I saw what worry did to me. It put me in a space of like, fuck this. And that was the fear manifesting itself into energy, circumventing anything positive and just came in to ruin my fucking life. Literally. Until my wife one night, we're, keep in mind, I'm living down here on my on my floor, my kids bought, brought the bed down in the living room and she put on, uh, uh, what was she put on the Muppet Haunted Mansion <laughs> on Disney. And I'm like, I don't fucking feel like watching TV and I really don't want to watch this right now. 20 minutes into it, I'm laughing. And she's like, well, you see where you were like an hour ago, worrying about this whole thing. Now you see yourself laughing hysterically at something you didn't even want to do. It's like, you need to take yourself out of the paralyzing fear of thinking about the future. So don't think about the future, my man. The future is going to happen. You may be worried about what's going to happen in 20 years, but you better might, might want to worry about, you know, a block from now because you're going to get a flat tire, but you didn't know it. So yeah, great way to end is just don't, don't let fear take over your life. It'll manifest itself into the worst power uh, around you imaginable and try to try to be positive. I mean, it's easy to say have PMA, but really logistically, especially as, as men, we, if we have mental problems, if we don't have positive PMA for our families, people around us, especially if we're captains, leaders of industry, singers, whatever, what have you, that's a big problem. So you need to, you need to go in your head, get it together, seek counseling. If you need to seek your best friend, have a conversation, go within yourself, learn yoga, learn to meditate. I meditate twice a day, no matter what. I don't care if my life is fucked up, if I've got to leave, if I've got to come and go, if I've got calls, I miss them. I meditate on schedule. I do yoga on schedule. And again, it's the power of no and fuck you, really. <laughs> I love that. Perfect. And the power of the Muppets. There's a lot to yeah. be said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anastasia would love that I brought that up. But I mean, it goes to show you what humor is and what laughter is in our lives. 
Everything. I think we are a spiritual animal caught in a divisive uh, body and a divisive human contagion. And that's not having to do with pandemic or viruses. I'm just saying humans on this planet have been warring forever. Like, yeah. when will we, when will we grow? When, when will we, you know, and then this goes back. If we were all not fearful and all enlightened and all trying to be enlightened and trying to do for each other and not kill each other off and trying to help one another, would our whole society all around the world get to a, a point of light where we just become light beings or perhaps beings of light from another planet will expose, I mean, they've already exposed themselves for years, but will expose themselves now and have conversations because they're not afraid of, you know, landing in your backyard. And the first thing you're going to do is go get the gun. It's like, <laughs> ah! you know, and this all comes down to the, to, to exactly what you were discussing, which is, which is fear. Anything that manipulates your fucking brain has to stop now. And uh, especially if you have any kind of, you know, you're going through any, any kind of mental difficulties, which a lot of people were in the middle of the pandemic, you just have to, you got to dig deep and realize that you're a very spiritual, powerful uh, animal. It's what we all are as animals with uh, animals with semi enlightened brains. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we only use what third of our brain or, you know, some, some I, used to, I used to have a friend that could move. <laughs> uh, I used to have a friend. He passed away. He actually, I actually have a behind me. You can't see it, but I have a memorial to him uh, here behind me. And uh, he used to be able to move, move uh, objects. So, and I mean, my whole life since he was a kid, like he could, he could be a, a, a two feet away from a glass that you just put down. It's your glass. You've got lemonade in it. You put like I do, put it down and just go like this and it would fall over. Like since we were kids, I would have him do it at, at, at the beach with me and shit. Like, uh, you know, there's a, a little rock on the sand. We're five feet away. I'm like, Jay, no one's around right now. Like, can you move that? You think now? With people around us and everything, yeah, I could. And he just concentrate for a minute, and the rock would move, man. Like it was the. It sounds hokey, but it was it. It's real, and it it happened right multiple times with me. And he would always used to speak about the power of the mind. And when he was dying of cancer, he actually come to come to visit me a couple of days before he died uh, with all this stuff in him and everything. And I said, "How are you, man?" He goes, "I'm great, bro." Big smile on his face. I mean, and doctors are like, you're done. Like, you're done. It's any second now. And he's like, I'm great, bro. Give me a hug. Fucking great to see your face, man. Great to see your fucking eyes, bro. Like, and if a guy like that can be like that, then you surely, because you lost your, lost a family member, your girlfriend broke up with you, your job just got fired. Maybe you're homeless right now. You're in between jobs. Your dog just died. You're going to have to amputate a toe. What fucking have you? If that guy can be like that, I and you, whoever's listening, can surely be uplifted to the point of like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outlive the legacy of fear that encapsulates 99% of the human brain. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward with purpose and power, love, and, and I'm going to exhaust all my energy into positive energy. So that's how I live my life, basically. And, and that will continue to resonate far beyond your years on this planet. And that's the one thing I think of too, a lot is legacy. What are you leaving behind when you pass in, through the veil? And I don't believe death is the end. I think it's a doorway. So everything, yes. you, everything you've just spoken to, 
I would say in the last 15, 20 minutes, that right there is huge. And I think anyone listening here gained something. I know I did. So thank, thank you, you so for much. your imparting words. I love that I dangled the the fear in front of you. You just took it and ran with it. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard subject to approach, right? It's a hard subject to approach, right? Well, I see people, I see people around me that are filled with fear on a regular basis. And it's just something I just never want to be. It's one of the reasons I stopped drinking alcohol Mm. because I was so fearful of going on stage without it. Ah, yeah. And I was like, there's no mountain I have not climbed and I'm going to climb this. And the first night I went on, I was backstage puking. I'll never forget. It was El Paso packed house where it was super joint ritual. I was fucking puking my brains out and when i beat it i came off and said that's it give me everest like i'm ready like this is like forget it life is just launched in a completely different spectrum oh yeah so you know so i i i just i don't know i just uh to impart anything to anyone i'd say don't ever look at the mountain and fear the height look at the mountain and and uh, go for the climb because you're going to be energized once you get to the top and find out you actually can instead of can't. My, my stepfather, before, you know, God rest his soul, he just passed away a few months ago. He always used to tell me, he's a real hard guy. Like John Wayne means Clint Eastwood would be a, on the level playing field with this human being. And uh, he always used to say to me when I was a kid, you know, because I'd be pushing my motorcycle up a hill or what have you. You know, I rode motorcycles my whole life. I can't. I can't do it. You know, I can't get it started. I can't. And he used to run over me. Never say can't. I never want to hear you say the word can't again. And I was raised with that. Never say can't. And I think that's another thing, you know, if I can impart to you, never, never say can't. You can do anything you want, you know? Love it. Nothing's dude. impossible when you put your mind to it, right? It's easy to say, but if you really do it, you'll find yourself doing it, man. You'll find yourself uh, moving, moving through walls, like for real, for real. And I think we're, be- we're, like I said, we're beings of light. We create our own vibrations and we put everything into the universe we want. We'll get back what we put out. And that's why you see so many shitty people in life get shitty results at the end of their life. They've been shitty all their life. You know, I follow this one guy who's a great business mentor, uh, but I don't follow his path of life. His name is Dan Pena, the billionaire guy, gives talks all the time. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm actually QLA. I'm actually going to go take his QLA course in Scotland. He lives in a castle on an island. And, but he's got a way that I'm interested. I'm going to be interested in, in, in interacting with him next year when I go to do QLA because his whole thing is like, you know, friends, fuck them. Like friends are a problem. Friends are this or that. You know, I would, I would piss on your fucking grave if you were on fire. I don't want fucking any friends. I have no friends. It's all about money. It's all about business. It's all about, and I'm like, I can't wait to put you to the test in front of 20 other people while I'm learning your course on, you know, how to, how to do better in business with all of my companies. But I I also want to get, try to get into his head about how can you possibly live like that? Like that is not a way, not a way to live. You know, we have to be gracious to each other, loving to each other. Granted, there's people that deserve a punch in the face. Try not to do it (laughs) unless they're, unless they're in your face or assaulting your wife, try not to do it, you know? So it's it's interesting to me the way different people think on on life subjects for sure, man. I think as well, just to kind of wrap on that note, which is very important, is it's okay to disagree with someone that you like and respect on certain topics. And I think I think we, it's even better. I think it's even better, right? 
I could go uh, into music right now and tell you, I like this band. I don't like them. Well, hold on. Let me play this song for you. Oh, now I like them. That wouldn't happen without dialogue, right? Yeah. But we have to have dialogue with each other. And I think, you know, even now, more so even now, and especially it's been in my mind because I manage a band from the Ukraine and I'm watching what's going on in the world and how everybody's going to get sucked into this shit if we don't all start thinking out of the box, right? And I think we all just have to, we all have to be measured in life, do our best for others and, uh, you know, try to try to give back to humanity a little bit. And, and Jesse said it best, which is how will you be remembered? What will you pass on? Jesse, do you have kids by any chance? I do not, no. That's one of the most incredible things in life is I have three sons. And I'm told all the time that, well, your sons are great men. Boy, your sons are sure great guys. Or your son did this for me the other day and I, I don't even know about it. And I'm like, wow, yeah, well, your son is such a great man. You raised him so, so well. You know, and, and I think that's what will be my legacy is my, my children will uh, uh, take my marinara sauce and <laughs> quote the Bronx Tale to everybody that they, they know uh, and take the loving, kind way and the also don't fuck with my family way that I've raised them into life and they'll raise their children with that. Their children will be raised in that. So we're all just this catalyst, you know, catalyst to a catacomb, really, you know, a catalyst to a chain that takes us somewhere to the end. And uh, we want to try to impart good things along the way, you know? Um, and it takes a lot, like, like, because I'm speaking to Jesse, I mean, it takes a lot in this business to be a singer. I mean, I'm sure you've put up with your fair share of people on websites saying, saying you got to have a fucking, uh, uh, what does Anastasia always say? Uh, you got to be cut from a strong cloth, but you got to have a, a, a strong will, but you got to have a, a metal kind of shroud. <laughs> Over yeah, you. I, I, uh, I definitely to this day still get criticisms, but I just have stopped paying attention to them and sort of yeah. reinvesting in myself and reinventing myself. And I put it into vocal training and writing. And but yeah, I totally deal with that. I get compared all the time to Howard Jones and it's, it's constant. But, you yeah. know, it is what it is. You can't please everybody. You have to just sort of um, be who you are in this world. And I know that what I'm doing has a greater purpose. It's not just about ego and being on stage and being the coolest guy in the band. Like, I don't Fuck care about no. that shit. I don't care about, who cares that about being cool, bro. No, uh, no. Cause I'll never be as cool as someone wants me to be or whatever. So for me, it's all about the lyrics and it's about the purpose and the energy that I put out there when I'm holding that microphone, when I'm looking at the audience to answer your question from like a half hour ago, trying to be present when I'm on stage. So I'm sort of the opposite with, with that. Um, I remember, and now that I don't drink before I go on stage, because I do not drink before I go on stage, I love it. I love being sober. I love being in the moment. I love being present to my audience because I can direct certain energies to people. And that's what I'm doing more than anything. I'm singing the songs. You know, I go into the muscle memory. I know that I've sang the song a hundred fucking times. So what do I do with the energy and how do I put it towards people and that interaction that happens? That has become more important to me than even the music and that's why i still do it and hopefully that continues on and the band continues to put out good music but that sort of connection that interaction is is my higher calling and that's everything to me i'll agree i'll agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said and to 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 actually quote uh, i'm a huge dead or alive fan so to quote the great pete burns block out the noise block out the noise 
And that's really, that's it. Block out the noise, do what you do, be a good person, forget the comparisons, yeah. you know, get the comparisons to the last record, to this record, do what you do. And I think, you know, I think, you know, a guy like yourself, you'll be remembered for that. And I think, you know, it was a pleasure talking to both of you today. And, and Jesse, it's been a pleasure uh, meeting you. We've seen each other several times at festivals We and and, and spoke and hung out. And, and, and when I drank, I really didn't yeah. remember a lot. So apologies for not remembering having wine with you and, and being so gracious. But no worries. When I'm in that moment, if there's people around me, I have a very uh, actually it was Steve Davis. Uh, one of your managers actually that told me, Des, you have such a big heart. It's going to fuck with you in this industry. It's going <laughs> to hurt you in this industry. And yeah. it sounds exactly like it would come from Steve, born and raised in Long Island. You know, Steve. And, yeah. uh, and I said to him, I'm not going to change my ways, man. I'm not going to change who I am, you know? Uh, I, and so you just, you got to go, go forth and try, try to be, try to be a good guy in this world and try to stay present. I think that's a, that's a great way to, to cap this off. Stay present in life, you know? Mm. Yeah. Thank and you for all your... Don't get caught your... up in your fucking own head, man. Too many people... I mean, even I've seen my kids get caught up in their own head, you know? Don't don't, don't get caught up in your own head. Yeah. I think to, I've learned how to sort of exercise, physically exercise and spiritually exercise that where, you know, I'm okay with me, you know? And I think at the end of the day, it's just about the, the higher calling, the bigger purpose. So I wanted to thank you um, just for taking the time and, and for anyone who's listened to this, you, you imparted a ton of wisdom and it's very motivating. Even to, I'm literally going to leave here and, and get to work. <laughs> I feel motivated. <laughs> oh, I was going to take. A, I was going to, you know, take a little break. But no, I'm going to go straight into a song. I have ideas now. You, you motivated me. So thank you, Des. It's been an absolute pleasure. More than more than a pleasure for myself to to be discussing other things rather than band stuff. So yeah. thank you so much for the time. It's a it's a rare occasion when you get to do that. I appreciate you both, and I hope everybody listening maybe maybe learned something. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Much respect, Des. I knew this would be great. Yeah, thank brother. you so much, man. Lovely to watch you two connect. Yeah, love to you guys and love to all your listeners. That's all we have is love. Love is the law, right? Alistair Crowley said it best. Love is the law. <laughs>